Welcome to The Trauma Tales, a production of Third Star Media and Shanna White Psychology. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma and suicide. If you don't think that you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath and come back another day. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and the elders in all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture and future and am committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice and creating opportunities to heal together. Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit. But what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma and highlight its impacts and, most importantly, to help those who live through trauma to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents and adults. I try to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot. And now, you will too. Welcome back to the Trauma Tales, everybody. I would like to introduce Sarah. Thank you for coming in today, Sarah. It's lovely to talk to you. Thanks for having me. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about a time in your life or an experience where you experienced trauma. Um, So, I guess I've had a lot of experiences of vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. Uh, My role, I've worked um, in the space of supporting people who have experienced trauma for most of my working career. So, I worked with kids... Um, coming out of uh, juvenile detention. I worked in a DV refuge for a couple of years. I worked as a um, carer in a residential setting um, for kids in out-of-home care. So did a lot of, still do a lot of work um, with people who have experienced traumatic childhoods and lives, um, as well as being married to um, an emergency services worker. So he's a paramedic and a firefighter. So he gets to come home with a lot of traumatic stories. So it's... Trauma's just been a big part of my life. You're surrounded. You go to work, it's there. You go home, it's there. Tell me a little bit about some of the residential units and some of the things that have happened there. Um, So I guess the the, the scariest ones, if I can call them that, would have been um, working with the teenagers um, in residential care. Um, A lot of them, you know, having traumatic childhoods being removed, um, parents, you know, um, who were suffering through their own traumas and then working with these children who were kind of taking it out on us as, as workers. Mm. So I had, um, I guess the one that really springs to mind the most is a 13-year-old girl who was really suffering. Um, she started taking ice at 13, which was kind of heartbreaking, but at the same time when you're face-to-face with someone, 
um, who is screaming in your face. Um, one evening I was just asking her to, to come to bed. It was 11 o'clock at night. I said, come on, you, you can't go out with these people who have driven off our driveway. I don't know who they are. They're definitely over 18. You're not coming, you're not going with them, sorry. You're, you're coming to bed. Um, and she picked up a, a bracket, um, like one of those ones that hold a bookshelf up mm-hmm. and held it like up. Like an L-shaped. Like an L-shaped one, yeah, yep. yep. It was really white and ornate. It was really pretty. Um, and she held it up um, to my face under my eye socket and said, if you don't move out of the way, you're going to get it. I know your husband and you're going to get it. And that was kind of really scary. Like you see in the movies where people are holding knives up to people's throats and you're just like, oh, I'd be better than that. But in that moment, you know, I've got a bracket holding up to my face with a bit of pressure and she's saying, move out of the way. And I'm going, do I move and save myself or do I really need to think bigger here and try and keep this kid safe? Um, And I did the stupid thing. I stayed where I I stood there um, and she ended up throwing the bracket into the wall next to my head. Um, And then she went to bed. She um, yeah, wasn't happy, slammed some doors and I probably shook for the next half an hour, mm. um, and didn't go back into work for a week. It was, yeah, that was probably the scariest moment out of all of them in the three years that I worked in that house. Wow. That's, it's so intense, right? And you can't explain what it feels like when you're in it. No, you can't. And, and there's, you know, you reflect back and all the trauma training, you know, that we have working, you know. <laughs> just a bit. Just, you know, there's four-day workshops every year that tell you what to do and it's never, it's never told you how you're going to feel and how you're going to react in the moment. Mm. And, and the, I guess the adrenaline that comes afterwards and what you do with that. Yeah, um, totally. And yeah. I guess I was, I was just going to say, and going home and, and again, managing with my partner, you know, t- not telling him that story, but also saying I had a really bad day at work and managing my own emotions and anger and him going, you're not going back to work. There's 13 year olds threatening you and threatening me. You're not going back to work and going, well, hang on. This is my livelihood. Hmm. Um, that sucks. It's also, uh, not to make it about me, but I've found myself that it's really hard to to come home and go, I've I've had, you know, as a, as a mum, like your kid's like, what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And you're like, um, oh, mum's just had a really bad day. How do you, because you can't talk. No. You cannot talk about what happens in your day. And sometimes I find myself and my kids are really insightful funny that um because they pull me up when i'm masking when i'm baking it yep like particularly my teenage son he'll pull me aside and go mom you're not okay i think you need to his favorite i think you need to go to bed early <laughs> <laughs> oh i need one of them kids <laughs> <laughs> oh no he just wants to stay up late so he can play playstation um, <laughs> but he's really good at picking up like i'm not entirely present because i'm still carrying some of that stuff and I know that as well, like we talk to each other as colleagues. Um, do you know what I mean? Like you'll talk to your colleagues about what happens to yeah. you and there's that intimacy and in under- like, dude, I feel that. I totally get you. But then, no, you know, I, I can't actually go home and tell my partner. I can't tell my husband, my wife. I can't tell my mom. I can't tell my sister. I can't even tell my best friend unless yep. you work with your best friend. Um, <laughs> which would probably be a good idea for people like us. Um, but I... I that having that space where with your partner, particularly because it's so such a close relationship where you, you go, I've had the worst day 
but I can't tell you anything about it. Yeah, it's it's really, really hard. And I, and I suppose on the other end of that, being really frustrated because he has the same thing. as He has a traumatic job as well, so he can't tell me anything. Yeah. And then understanding intellectually, at least on one level, go, yes, you shouldn't tell me because – um, if we use that wonderful bucket analogy of, you know, I shouldn't pour into your bucket and you shouldn't pour into my bucket, mm. but it just kind of leads to a stalemate a lot of the time and just go, I've had a bad day. I need you to help me out. It's and my him, turn. And him going, no, I've had a really bad day. <laughs> and, you know, kid in the middle just going, but why don't you just want to hug mommy? You're sad and I want to give you a hug. And I'm like, if you actually touch me, I'm actually probably going to lose it because I had someone, you know, Something bad happened to me and touch is not something that I need right now. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's how my kid responds. She's not quite intellectual yet. She's only four. <laughs> yeah. But just in saying, mommy, you need to cuddle right now. And I just love you. And it's like, that's really, really sweet to hear. But you touching me is actually really going to set me off. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to be able. And I'm going to feel really, really crap in three hours time when I've yelled at you. <laughs> and have to kind of make oh, up for it. Oh, mother guilt. Fist pump. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It, it, it is. I, I agree. My daughter is exactly the same. She's mm. like, mum's not okay. I'm going to get all up in her grill and we're going to be connected at the hip until she's better again. Yeah. Not understanding that that's I'm – not, I'm not present enough to, 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 to be that for you. And it, it comes from a place of, again – we're intellectual enough to go that's coming from a place of nurturing and caring because yep. that's exactly what we do for you but and it doesn't work for us it feels like she doesn't it's like oh wow i've done such good parenting at one point in my life because you know that i need a hug and i yes. need you to be there and that's how you make me feel better and yes i did it right at one point but by god kid just get lost <laughs> <laughs> You're like, can I love you in half an hour when I've had my mini meltdown in my own head? Or, I don't know about you, this is probably a little bit TMI. <laughs> um, for me, it's because because you can't talk about it. And, and I think as well, there's even that, even though your colleagues get it and they know to an extent and they can hold that space for you, you don't want to do it after hours. You don't, I don't want to ring a colleague and go, you know what, I had the worst day. Well, no, because what happens if they're having a good day? Exactly. Because it's so rare, we don't want to ruin it for them. But then, like, you come home and you're still feeling sort of crappy. So, I don't know about you, but I sort of mindlessly, like a zombie, will go through, yeah, we're doing homework, we're doing meals, we're doing running to activities, etc. Mm-hmm. Showers, dinner, bedtime, etc., etc. And then I'm like, I'm just going to go and have a shower and have a little power cry with yep. myself in the shower. A good power cry if you time it for the right week of the month. And... <laughs> You get your chocolate ready and you find a really good Hallmark terrible romance movie that's going to make you cry at about the 40-minute mark. Yep. Yeah. Love Actually. Oh, yes. I don't even need need 40 minutes. First opening (laughs) credits in the airport. It's terrible. Yeah. But get get yourself – and that's a good power cry. We'll we'll get it out. But Okay. Cool. Yep. You're right. I love you again, sweetie. I'm okay now. We're all good now. (laughs) So the things that you do cope. So when you and your partner are sort of both managing really difficult stuff, you, you said your partner's a, an emergency services worker. So I imagine he's been busy. Just a little bit. <laughs> Not to um, add any more stress. Yeah. And well, as we know, working in community services and stuff, that trauma doesn't take a holiday. Uh, it doesn't care about our no. calendar. How has 2020 been? Um, 
Look, it's it's been difficult, but in a different way. I would say most people kind of seem hyper aware. We've just had to really kind of hyper focus in him being an essential worker. Um, I luckily got classes as an essential worker as well. So life just kind of kept marching on for us. Um, there was almost no difference. I was still seeing clients. He was still going out, working his job, seeing a lot of sick people. Um, at one point, I did want to kind of set up a decontamination tent in my front foyer. <laughs> And be like, before you come to my house, you will strip naked in the hallway and then we'll go in this special basket. I'm going to wash your clothes separately. Um, and you'll wear this beautiful plastic suit in the meantime <laughs> made out of garbage bags that we did at Arts and Craft in the backyard while homeschooling. <laughs> um, and thank God he, he was – he actually had a pretty little level head about it and just gone, look, I'm taking precautions. You're taking precautions. Let's try and not let this impact our kid. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was pretty lucky for us. But I did find – that there was an underlying high level of anxiety yeah. just in everything else we did, you know, like we've got to do this right. We've got to do this right. Um, that militant, like hypervigilance yes. about each step of the process being so perfect. And, and it's what chicken or the egg, what comes first, the anxiety or the hypervigilance because the hypervigilance then creates more anxiety and it's this yep. beautiful vortex of stress. And yeah, 100%. I think, um, hyper anxiety is just something that we've come to live with you know um in our household which isn't healthy but the more i guess self-care i try to put in and self-reflection all those wonderful buzzwords they tell us to remember is that something that high anxiety is just an undercurrent especially of of me um i talk faster when i get anxious even in this talk, <laughs> I've noticed I've started talking faster when I get a bit anxious about things. Um, my partner goes silent, just mm. completely shuts down, which is hard for me, who is a talker. What's wrong? Talk to me. We need to talk this through. Just tell me you've had a bad day. And he's gone, completely shuts off. So so can I ask a, a – a, oh, it's a big one. Mm. It's a big question for anyone who is – an essential worker and I thought that was really poignant at the time when it happened that we all got labeled as essential <laughs> workers because sometimes it doesn't feel like it mm -hmm. especially when it's getting bigger than us yep we don't feel essential we feel like we're just getting beaten down so disclosure I have moments sometimes when it's a rough day or a rough series of days or etc where I think, when does my moral compass outweigh my mental health? Yeah. You know, we do this because we love what we do and we actually want better for whoever it is that we work for. We want better. That's why we essential service. The key word there is service. That's our moral compass that guides us in that space. But sometimes it feels like the cost is really high. Yeah. Have you ever had that chat? Even just with yourself? Yeah. Um, look, as you were talking then, I'm just like, yeah, I've had that chat with myself a lot um, and not necessarily just in the last year, but when, you know, it's it's 7.30 at night and I've, you know, we do after hours support telephone work and I'm getting a phone call. Oh, yeah, good times. And, you know, for what, my husband's probably on night shift and mm -hmm. it's 7.30, so it's bedtime. And I've got a client calling me yeah. upset. I'm like, I can't do this right now. I need to 
be here present with my kid. It's story time. And I'm over here doing a telephone And you're talking call. to a kid who's like, oh, I've got a razor blade that I've been stashing on yep. my wrists. and Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, I've got to have this conversation. But I, I really don't want to be having this conversation. Um, and to balance that in the normal space and to go, okay, sweetie pie, can you go get mummy a book? And mummy will be five more minutes. Yep. Okay, so tell me about where are you now, what's <laughs> happening, like switching that switch in your brain so fast, so yep. much. It's like a strobe light. <laughs> no, I laugh because I remember this one time it was, again, probably 7.30 at night and I was, it was late. I'd had an incident with a client. So I was making a child protection report, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm cooking spaghetti at the same time. And... <laughs> Of course you were. Of course I was. And the guy on the uh, the worker on from the child protections, like, look, what's all that background noise? And I'm like, I'm cooking spaghetti. And he's like, is there somewhere else you can be? I really need to do this. I'm like, no, there isn't. My kid hasn't eaten yet, and I need to cook. Yep. So, yep, you're. All, I'll I'll put on headphones. This is the best I can do. Yeah, it's sizzling because I'm burning the spaghetti because I'm not doing the best job right now. But it it's shit. It can be, yeah. Yep. It really can be. So what what do you do? Um, other than cry in the shower? Other than cry in the shower. <laughs> Make sure I have a good glass of wine. Um, oh, look, honesty. Sometimes just going, like in that example, going with my kid and say, yeah, mummy's, mummy's not really okay tonight, but that's okay. Mummy's going to be okay tomorrow. I'm really sorry. Can we just, let's try and do this story. Um, and yeah, and letting go of some of the big things. So, you know, with sleep routines, if it's normally she's got to be lights out by eight o'clock or whatever the routine is, let it go. Mm -hmm. Let go of the little things if I can, you know. She's fed, she's in bed. doesn't matter that it's nine o'clock. Yeah, she's going to be tired tomorrow, but she's in bed, she's asleep. Um, And I'll get some sleep. Tomorrow morning I'll debrief with people that I need to to debrief with. I... I (laughs) I have a thing that I want you to have too. It's this little thing that I have chats with myself in my head because I'm a little bit sometimes of a perfectionist and I have what? to have chats. With <laughs> Stop it. You are actually shocked. Um, Gracie's ignoring. <laughs> She's like, I know that perfectionist over there. Uh, I have this thing where because being a perfectionist is the most useless form of anxiety because nothing ever gets done, Right. Mm-hmm. So I have this thing where I talk to myself about I'm doing the best that I can right now. And it may not have been the best that I could have done yesterday and it may not be the best that I could possibly do tomorrow. But I'm actually doing the best that I can right now. And sometimes I add on the back with what I have. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's like I'm doing the best that I can right now with all that I've got. And that's a bit of a reminder that, yeah, I may have been a six out of ten mum today, but tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a seven. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my little thing. I've picked it up in the last sort of, particularly through 2020, because 2020 was just a whirlwind. Yep. For me, I found myself, I knew that I was getting burnt out because I, I found myself with, with people that I'm providing care for who were talking to me about their struggles in isolation and how boring and arduous Mm. and the days all slip into each other. And back of my head, a voice went, I'm so jealous (laughs) right now. Yeah. (laughs) So that's my little, from me to you, I'm doing the best that I can right now. 
So that having that moral, um, yeah, the, the question I was talking about before, that big one, how much of my morals does it cost my day-to-day life to yep. do what I do? And then in that day-to-day life, I am doing the best that I can. I just got to remember to say it to myself. I'll actually say it out loud. <laughs> actually, I will say it. I'm doing the best that I can right now. Yep. May not be very good, but it's what I've got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's it. Like talking about that moral compass and I guess the trade-off talking to my partner about it and being able to say, you know, I'm not a good mum today. And I think I said about honesty before mm. and we do kind of had an agreement where he's allowed to agree and I'm not allowed to yell at him <laughs> for agreeing with me um, and just going, I, I think once I said, I'm like, you know, he's like, you're not doing, you're not, you're not the best you can be right now. I'm like, you're right. I'm not happy you said that to me. <laughs> but you are right and I'm allowed to not be happy about I that I just don't freaking like I it I don't like it I'm not going to talk to you for half an hour because <laughs> I know you're right and and you're an asshole for being right <laughs> how dare you how dare you know exactly what I'm going through um, I also wanted to ask because um, I think it's really important and I haven't I've spoken to quite a few people who work in service spaces but one thing I haven't asked and I've regretted not asking so I will throw it at you for fun is we're given or provided all of this stuff and we know the language, we know reach out, we know self-care, we mm-hmm. know are you okay, we know all of this stuff. But I feel that there is an undercurrent that we don't. We really don't. It's all so big and so much and as the research says out there, it needs more research. We don't, we don't know it. We live it, we breathe it, but we also don't know it. Mm. It's, um, and again, I can, I can take that back to how I parent my kid. Um, you know, the current work I do, I work with families and I'll give them all this advice and then I'll go home and I, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I wonder sometimes in my quieter moments, a lot happens in my head, um, I wonder if it's an arrogance, not an mm. arrogance so much as a, um, I have heard from other people that it can be an arrogance. Like, no, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to get burnout. I'm not, uh, I don't yeah. need that because that won't happen to me because I'm better than that. I know all the things. But then sometimes I think, is it an arrogance or is there some bit of weakness in there? Is that a humility that we're afraid of as the services? I feel like it's an avoidance. Like, and a yeah. bit of arrogance around, you know, one, I don't need that. I already know it all. And two, if I need that, then am I actually good enough to deliver this to other people? Oh, hell yeah. That kind of imposter kind of thing. Just like, how can I help people if I need help? So mm. therefore, I'm not allowed to need help and I'm just going to yes. ignore it. No, no, no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I can totally squeeze that person in. No worries. Love to see eight people in one day. You know, it's that avoidance of needing help because if you stop, then everything just falls apart. Doesn't it? And it does. Because so much. And, it's, well, and then it goes back into that terrible um, circle that we all get into. And if you actually just stopped and took care of yourself, and it wouldn't happen. But we can't because we don't have time. We're so busy looking after everybody else. Yep. 
And at home, you and your husband are doing that thing where you're like, oh, I look after you, you look after me. And I'm yeah. like, oh. <sighs> yeah. And then one day you're screaming at somebody <laughs> and you've just smashed your brain in your phone and you go, oh, maybe I should talk to someone. Oh, is there a story there? Did you <laughs> smash your phone? <laughs> smash your TV remote, definitely, <gasps> on the tile floor. Nice. Well, I don't what? feel like they they have a, as much structural integrity <laughs> as they could, given when things go wrong with a TV, you just want to chuck something. Yeah. Oh, I think I've cracked a screen. Um, Yeah. Back when I wasn't very good at self-care. Hmm? Definitely. <laughs> not, worse than I was now. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So what are your top three? I'm not doing well. This is what I'm going to do to look after me today. Um, Gardening. And that's, that's actually probably only come out in 2020 as well. Okay. Um, we have, we've just moved into a new, well, last year at the beginning of 2020, we had just moved into a new house. So there was, I guess, a want and a need to kind of beautify my space anyway. Mm. Um, but really getting my hands into dirt and just repotting half the time, building a veggie garden. And I'm able to really aggressively get into the dirt and rip some roots out. Um, it takes kind of some anger and aggression away. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once it's kind of done five minutes of that, um, I can spend like an hour out there just digging mindlessly in the dirt, moving things. That seems to help. Yeah. Um, whether it's because I'm so focused on the task at hand and wanting to do it properly and be a green thumb, I don't know. But it, um, it that helps. It's, it, it's one of those things, like I'm not a gardener, but I know people who do absolutely love it. It seems to be one of those things that I call mindlessly mindful. Yes. So you have to be quite sort of, so for me, it's like a Sudoku or pottering. So I potter and sort of redecorate bookshelves and that sort of stuff because I'm, I'm so mindful in that little thing that I'm, I can be mindless and it doesn't require enough doesn't require a lot of cognitive space in my head. It doesn't stress me oh, it out. It doesn't, no. But I'm really mindful in what I'm doing. So it's mindlessly mindful. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's also my go-to because if, if it's one of those days where both me and my partner are having bad days and normally it's a Saturday or a Sunday, so you need to work the next day and someone's going to look after the kid. Mm-hmm. I can take her out with me. Yeah, they're always hungry. Yeah. And just go, okay, you know what, let's let's – Let's potter in the garden together and she can dig a hole to wherever she's digging. Um, she likes to plant rocks and watch them grow and water the rocks. God bless her. She's going to grow a rock plant. Yep. I'm like, yep, just go. You do you, mate. Yep. And it, so it kind of kills both those things. But that kind of goes back to that, what you were saying before about, you know, letting go of the little things. Yep. Like you just sort of, I do that with mine too. <laughs> like sometimes I let them dress themselves and... <laughs> I think the teenage boy is just as bad as the little girl. And I just look at them and go, you do you, mate, yep. whatever. And I go, it doesn't actually matter in my head. No. It doesn't really matter. You're warm, you're cosy, you're weather appropriate. Let's go. Let's go. So what's, what's your other two activities? What do you um, one I don't like to do, but it does make me feel good, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. is when I finally get down to putting the washing away. Or doing the cleaning, and again, it's one of those mind, mindless, mindful activities. Mm-hmm. And if I can just get the floor drobe back into the wardrobe, <laughs> and <laughs> finally get those crumbs under the grill or the what's the bit on top of the stove top where you got to take it off so you can wash it. Oh yeah, there's yeah 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 that thing. <laughs> oh word. 
Yeah. That thing, I know what you're talking about though, when you've got to take it all apart so you can clean, clean it and it. put it yeah. all back together and for someone else to spill something on it's cool. And you always spill dinner that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You go, mm-hmm. I just cleaned that today. But yes, the, there's about five minutes of peace in there and going, okay, now my house is clean. That kind of um, clean surroundings, clean mind or whatever it is. Um, that helps yeah. a lot. What's your third? Probably don't have a good enough third. Um, <laughs> probably need to find a third I'd love to say walking I'd love to say reading because they're all the little bits and pieces that I can do um, but honestly a good phone call to my mum yes I love a good connection one yeah because often when we're feeling overwhelmed we sort of disconnect and pull back like you're saying your husband does yep but being able to sort of reach out and have that person and go um, I have a thing with my best friend where when she starts I go Babe, do you need a solution or a rant? And she's like, I just need a rant. I'm like, have at it, babe. Go for it. And that's the key. I'll call mum and go, mum, do you have five minutes? Because I need to yell at you. Yeah. And I'm not all to you is what it is. I'm like, and she goes, okay, yep, just give me a minute. I need to finish this so I can concentrate on what you're saying. I'm like, sweet. And then I'll wait. And then she'll go, okay, go. And five minutes and I'll probably end up in tears. And she goes, you feel better now? I'm like, yes. Is it fixed? No, but I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't need you to fix it for me. I just need you to listen to me have a power rant so that I can clear my brain enough so that I can fix it myself. Yes. Which is often the case because we're essential services people are so self-reliant. To a fault. To a fault. So self-reliant. They're like doggedly, I don't need help. I can do this myself. This is my training and expertise (laughs) to take care of all the people. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in today, Sarah. Mm. I really appreciate it. No worries. It's been lovely to talk to you. It's been really fun. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for The Trauma Tales. A new episode will be released every fortnight and they will cover all areas and topics where trauma has occurred. I'm really looking forward to sharing these with you. If you'd like to follow our social pages, the links are in the show notes. Let us know what you think. If this episode of The Trauma Tales has impacted on you, please contact one of the following resources. Lifeline, Kids Helpline, 1-800-RESPECT, Men's Helpline. The contact details for each of these are in the show notes. Or if you would like to contact us to share your story on our podcast, or if you want to sponsor our show, please email us at thetraumatales, all lowercase, all one word, at gmail.com.